welcome. This is an awesome podcast. This yeah. is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> to the Jeff. There's a lot of whiskey, Jeff. Macalino. Jeff Macalino. 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 Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I've got a good one for you. This is Brian Dunning. He is the uh, host of the Skeptoid podcast. Uh, he has a movie you can see on Vimeo. He, he explains it in the uh, in the episode. And uh, he also has a movie, Science Friction, that you can see on Tubi and uh, other places. Um, yeah, this is a good one. Um, he is... You know, I didn't ask him about this. I said I wasn't going to bring up Joe Rogan, and uh, I ended up doing it without saying his name at the end of the episode. Uh, I didn't really ask him about, um, if you look, Dunning, Brian Dunning has been a guest on Joe Rogan's podcast, and that's actually an episode that's no longer available, one of the few episodes that disappeared uh, when it transitioned over to Spotify. So, um, And it wasn't, I believe, for content. My assumption is that Rogan's people didn't like it. I don't know. So anyways, I uh, didn't bring that up. So spoiler alert, but some good stuff in here. He is, uh, his movie is, uh, the UFO movie. They don't want you to see. Um, and, uh, yeah, we talk about that. That's kind of UFO stuff is kind of the main thing, but we talk about a lot of sciencey, stuff and uh his podcast also i believe just had its 17th 17 year anniversary so he's an og when it comes to uh throwing down a podcast very digestible episodes covering a lot of different stuff on that podcast anywho um there is a, a mid-roll ad and it was there is no content at all cut out of this episode just an fyi uh, i say we're back because i had a technical glitch i had to uh quickly pause and restart uh the recording uh, but nothing, no content has been eliminated from this episode. All right, without further ado, here is Brian Dunning and me. All right, everybody, I'm very pleased to welcome Brian Dunning to the Jeff Macalino podcast. How are you today, Brian? Hey, I am great. How are you, sir? I am, uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited to have you on and, uh, I've got to congratulate you, like, at the start uh, on, uh, you just had your 17th anniversary for Skeptoid, your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so congratulations. Um, Thank you. It's funny, podcasting perspective-wise, it's like when I talk to a lot of podcasters, I'm not not yet to three years, but depending on who you talk to, it's like, oh, you're you're a rookie. You you still you'll you'll find out how hard it is. You talk to someone who's on their fifth episode, they're like, oh my god, how the hell did you do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything's relative. No, I mean, um, I guess the oldest podcasts are closing in on twenty years. Yeah, you got uh, started early. <laughs> yeah, and that made a big difference. I mean, when I started, there was only. 2000 podcasts total that existed wow so it was really easy to be a a big fish in a small pond and you know now with over four million it's very much the opposite i wouldn't be able to i wouldn't i wouldn't be doing this for a living if i started now yeah yeah the the living's hard to come by but you can make a few bucks and have fun if you 
if you yeah. stick with it, <laughs> that's sure. what I tell newbies. <laughs> <laughs> stick with it. Six or eight years, you'll be doing fine. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm like, look, if I get this growth continually, you know, by, you know, by year five or six, I think I'll be in decent shape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a heavy investment, but hey, you know, we do what we can. <laughs> um, so Brian, you have a uh, a documentary. Um it has not come out yet, correct? You're doing the film festival circuit or it it, it is in the film festival circuit and it is available for uh rental through Vimeo, but it's not on any of the uh the major streaming services yet. It just takes time. Right. No, I know from I I've shot a couple movies as an actor and uh yeah i know from that the, the funny thing is the day you leave say oh when can when can we see the movie it's like yo yeah. we just I, I don't even know what they have to do on the back end but like i think at least a year i would imagine like just <laughs> chill <laughs> i remember during the crowdfunding uh before it, before even started shooting people were um people would ask constantly can i see it now can't you just put it on youtube uh it hadn't even been shot <laughs> much less going gone through posts and everything one person actually demanded his money back but he was like a five dollar donor so it was no big deal <laughs> I, I should be able to see the movie yeah why why can't you just put it up for free it doesn't matter the the money right. and the time you spent doing it just put it up on youtube for free <laughs> although yeah. um that's actually something that people are doing with the um there's been a lot of changes in the independent film distribution landscape in the last few years, and it's still changing very fast. What happened over the last year or two was all the major studios dumped their entire back catalogs uh, into the ad-supported ad services like Tubi and Amazon Freebie and absolutely buried any independent film. So that used to be the place where you were most likely to make most of your money as an independent was on AVOD, the advertising supporting ad supported streaming services. And now you won't make anything on those because no one will ever find your movie unless they yeah. search for it by name, which means you had to know them to tell them about it personally. So it's getting harder and harder out there. Yeah, you have to have a large social media reach uh, to uh, to have a lot because you're right. It's just not going to show up. Yeah. It, it's 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 definitely tougher and and some of the distributors are actually advising people now they're saying you know honestly we're seeing some independent filmmakers making more money just putting their movie on youtube by themselves and hope that you get a million views over a few years and you'll make you know maybe as much as five grand and that's yeah. considered a win these days i was i was I was gonna say you get you get like 0.04 cents uh, per view on a good day, so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, I've I've had that with my because my YouTube channel is monetized, and they're like, oh, just you should put all your podcasts on YouTube. I'm like, why? So I can make a few pennies. Like, I'll I'll keep it audio only, and I'll do clips on YouTube. But it's like there's no benefit. First of all, I don't want to look at my face if I have to edit it. Like, <laughs> who I, would? Right, right. <laughs> it's it's a it's uh, you know I, it's hard enough to listen to yourself. I'm okay with that, but yeah, the the staring at your stupid face, not your stupid, my own stupid face, just it's like all right, th this is I, I'm audio only is the way to go. <laughs> Although that's changing too now. I mean, yeah. Google is uh, Google has killed the Google uh, 
Google Podcasts service. And they are telling everyone, we want you to put your podcasts on YouTube now. We want you to make video podcasts. And YouTube is not a minor player. And if they're telling you that's the way that they want you to work, um, if this is your profession, that's the way you got to do it. It's, yeah, it's... And, and as we all know, doing video is orders of magnitude more than doing audio. Yeah. Unless it's just something like this where you're just recording a something live and and then you put it up there. But if you're getting into editing, et cetera, um, it's, it's uh, enormously more resource intensive and expensive. Yeah, no, it, it, it is. And it's uh, YouTube's, well, th this will kind of maybe get a little bit on the, on the, the topics that, that we're going to discuss. YouTube also has the penchant of kind of randomly, and I, I say that on a few ends. I'm not in the science, you know, I'm not making videos about the COVID vaccine and stuff like that. Um, but even in the comedy realm, they decide it's kind of just toss up as far as what YouTube decides to censor and demonetize and shadow ban. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, comedians for a while were using that as we can do anything on YouTube. They know that it's stand up. It's a joke. We can say anything. And just recently, a lot of standups are saying, hey, my, my special got banned. Um, and uh, I, I've even done this on a, a comedy show that I was putting on my YouTube channel um, it was just spur like random what they decided was inappropriate for advertisers. They never took anything down because at most it was using, you know, the F word too much or, you know, whatever. I they don't YouTube also never gives you an explanation. They just kind of say, nope, this isn't good. And you can appeal it. And if they say yes, then you just don't ask any questions. How did this get flagged in the first place? If they say no, you're just like, well, what? But can you tell me what I did? <laughs> They don't really they don't really specify because you don't really get like there's not a phone call you can make to plead your case. It's just kind of eh, you appealed, you failed. Just, you know, sorry for, well, for <laughs> when you consider how many it's I, I forget how many hours of video are uploaded to YouTube, YouTube every second. Mm -hmm. But it's it's hundreds, I think. Yeah. It's, it's the amount of video is just astonishing. And if there was a phone number you could call to ask someone they'd have to have a staff of about 15 million people <laughs> right yeah sitting there taking the calls that's where it's a it's a tough yeah and i i get it from their perspective there's no way they can actually sit and watch every little thing um but yeah it's almost like all right if this is just called a comedy show just, we don't need to wait just you know viewer discretion advised uh yeah. i uh, you know Again, there's obviously going to be that way, you know, porn and stuff. That That's always my concern with kids. I have two kids, so it's like, ah, anything I watch could just have a dick pop up in it. And yeah, <laughs> it's not ideal. That's the reason I don't show them Fight Club. <laughs> it's got the one. <laughs> um, anyways, let's let's talk more about the UFOs. <laughs> All right. Um, so you. Um, I'll preface it by saying, I, and I, this is not saying it the correct way that we're coming at it from opposite angles because that's not the case. Uh, you're you're obviously a skeptic, and I am. I also agree that I don't think aliens, any of this UFOs that we've seen, frankly, I've never been convinced that any of it's real. The the obviously the Roswell stuff's been well debunked by now. 
Um, everything that I've seen, as far as this proof, this is aliens have visited us. I'm always like, eh, that's not proof to me. Um, it, it would be great. Sure. I, I don't know if it'd be great. I don't. I, I like the idea that there are aliens who are technologically capable, and we'll, we can touch on that in a little bit, but that are technologically capable of visiting us and will one day. Um, however, I, I do agree with you. I, I've never seen anything that has proven it. And I think that's kind of, I'm guessing, not having seen the, the documentary, uh, I'm guessing that's kind of what we're going to see when we watch this. Well, so the, the the movie is actually um, the way I'm describing it is it's it's teaching astronomy using the public interest in UFOs as a springboard. Uh, so th this is not a debunking movie, um, and it's it's certainly not what you would get from every other UFO documentary that exists, which is just retelling old UFO stories as if they are actual fact that have been told and debunked exhaustively for decades in most cases and i don't understand why people still keep making those movies uh but but they do and that's what what constitutes the bulk of the content that's out there so um this movie and the title is the ufo movie they don't want you to see right. and that's kind of a tongue-in-cheek title because obviously that's like a joke title that's used for conspiracy things and and, and stuff like that um <laughs> and, and the reason i called it that um there, there's actually two reasons First of all, when we were workshopping titles, it's really hard to come up with a title for a UFO movie that hasn't been used a million times. It's like the UFO files, uh, unidentified, greatest UFO mysteries. I mean, those words have all been used to death. So I didn't want to just come up with a generic title. And someone threw this one in the list just kind of as a joke. Um, and everyone thought it was fun, and it got voted to the most popular title. And I said, come on, guys, we're not actually going to call the movie that. But then everyone kept talking about it, and it was the title that everyone liked most and talked about and remembered. And that's something that's hard to buy when you're trying to market a, a film. So we just went ahead with it. Well, and, and, and they is capitalized. <laughs> they is right? capitalized. Because it's the, uh, the proverbial they. And the second reason we called it that is because it actually makes sense. Most of I mean, the whole UFO industry, and it's it's clearly an industry by now, is based on people being credulous and believing everything that's on television. The more you understand about astronomy, um, the less likely you are to be susceptible to that. Mm -hmm. So the people who make all of this programming, they actually don't want people to understand astronomy because that's going to impact their bottom line. So not that I'm trying to sound like a conspiracy theorist or anything, but uh, there actually is a party who doesn't want people to understand astrophysics, exobiology, et cetera, et cetera. It, that, that's the part that fascinates me because <laughs> I was, I, I, I do think that my mind always goes to conspiracy theories and I don't believe Again, I don't believe most of them, but I love talking about them. The reason sure. being is I think they're great brain exercises. Sure. At least it's like a root cause analysis practice. Like, all right, so if this is a conspiracy, who wants you to believe it? Why do they want you to believe it? And the congressional hearings on UFOs, 
that's what when i'm like oh this is all bullshit they're trying to pull something on us now that's where my brain immediately went because i'm very distrustful of anything to do with the government um yeah well i think there's good reason for that without believing in conspiracy theories um (laughs) but that's once they started doing that to me i and i and i i know from listening to you on on on, on, at least one other podcast talk about it um but to me it felt like a dog and pony show almost like oh they're trying to peddle this there's some sinister reason they want us to believe that the and and i don't know whether it's i i you know my brain goes a million directions so i'm not even trying to start a conspiracy theory but i feel like they are trying to get people to believe it um, because I know you've pointed this out many times. I think in the trailer for the the film I saw, you even said 40% of the people believe in this already. They're not out in the street panicking. So we know that even if 90% of people believe aliens are flying around our planet, it's not right. like they're going to be riding in the streets and, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, so it's fascinating to me to think, okay, why are they... Uh, I don't know. And again, I don't know that you obviously I would assume you don't know the answers necessarily, but I I don't think I'm crazy for thinking there's something more sinister here, given the fact they're trying to push it so much. I don't think it's sinister. I mean, I've been I've been studying these people and following this and reporting on it for a long time. And the people who are financing this, basically Chris Mellon and Robert Bigelow, they're just people who have a very strange belief system. Uh, they believe that aliens and poltergeists are the same manifestation of uh, interdimensional beings is the, the terminology that they use. Um, they believe that this is very tightly wrapped up with life after death, that I'm not sure how that fits in, uh, but uh, you die and you become an alien. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with basically two super wealthy guys and then a bunch of enthusiasts like Tom DeLonge. And, and then they've got their big circle of, of friends, including a bunch of uh, former physicists, a bunch of new generation, younger ufologists like Lou Elizondo and David Grush and the, the people testifying in front of Congress. Um, their their PR department is Leslie Keene, the, the UFO author, who is the one that writes all of these articles for the New York Times. Um, I mean, they're, it's a whole, you know, a, a, a cabal, if you will, of people trying to promote their belief system. And, you know, in 2017, when they had the, the, the first New York Times article, that was when they said, we're not being successful at getting people to believe in our our aliens and interdimensional poltergeists thing. Let's put a different spin on it. Let's call it a national defense problem. And let's take these UFO videos that, that Chris Mellon provided um, and let's put these out here and say that this is a national security threat. That'll get Congress interested. That'll get That'll get people to take us seriously. We'll have people in high places in government um, calling this a real thing. And that's been incredibly successful because all of that has come true. We're now we're now taking videos that have really nothing of any interest in them to people who understand what you're seeing in the videos. And you're taking old, old, old UFO stories like the ones David Grush was mentioning in his testimony, his 
quote whistleblower testimony um and um and it's now being taken seriously by people who believe that they are either aliens or chinese or russians or or whatever what, what have you but um it just staggers me every day how successful this campaign has been it's i hadn't really thought about the avenue that that you made me think of is it, the military industrial complex doesn't miss an opportunity so i mean if if they can make money well and, 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 and if, yeah if you look at what a lot of these guys are doing lou elizondo etc they're all starting consulting companies trying to get government contracts now send us your ufo videos and we'll identify them as as space aliens for you and uh, for a mere you know two billion dollars a year <laughs> so there's a lot of grift involved as well um i know i know personally i know two investigative reporters who believe someone's going to jail as a result of all of this um, for you know knowingly providing false information to congress in order to obtain government contracts uh, i don't know that that's going to happen um but there's at least two legit investigative reporters working on that angle so there's that there's absolutely grift involved in this as well as people simply honestly trying to promote weird beliefs yeah well and i i think i i think that's the problem with almost anything real or not in in fairness because i do believe i remember this was during the obama administration uh and I don't know that anyone got punished, but it was something with green energy. And they they took, I think, $600 million or something from the government. And it was all bullshit because, again, it's I'm not saying climate change is a built up like you. I'm not meaning you compare them in that way. I know that's what it sounds like. I'm not meaning to compare them in that way. Right. But it's also the same thing of. It, it does fall in the same vein of of almost fear porn. Uh, I think to some people yeah. where yeah. we want to scare you into making sure you're happy with the government giving us your tax dollars to yeah. fund this because without this, the aliens, the the sun, the 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 polar ice caps, acid rain, whatever it is, um, it, it's going to come kill us. So we just don't ask yeah. questions. Just let us take your money, and if it's all fraudulent, then hopefully someone pays. But I. I think I don't think they generally do. I think it. No, I, you're, you're spot on. I mean, the 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 whole the business model of getting government contracts is is as old as governments. That's certainly mm -hmm. not new with this or you know eugenics in the 1920s and 30s. Uh, I mean, it goes way back to the beginning of time. I'm sure there was people trying to get government contracts from the Egyptian pharaohs. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's how the pyramids got built. <laughs> Well, the um, now from a personal perspective, yeah. Uh, so I, I've had an astrophysicist on, and I asked him the question, and he basically said, "We'll never see aliens." Uh, it, not just in our lifetime, because obviously that's a very small amount of time, frankly, for us to consider. Yeah, you know. I'm 36, and I think you're a few years older than me. Um, I'll be dead, I think, before there's any alien involvement in humanity. I like to think that there are aliens out there. He seemed to think if they were, the universe is so big, we're never going to run into each other. Yeah. Um, 
part of me says, and I, this is a loaded question I'm going to dump on you because I guess I'm asking, well, let me start with just your personal belief. Do you think there are aliens out there and will they ever interact with humans? I guess we'll start yeah. with that basic. <laughs> so th those are those are two very different and very important questions. Right. And I can I can tell you this. I mean, I I I'm basically a science writer is what I do for a living. I have a lot of friends in virtually every science you can think of. And I can tell you that it is nearly universal among people in any branch of astronomy, whether they're astrophysics or cosmologists or astrobiologists, is nearly universal that people believe there is life everywhere out in the universe. Where they differ is, well, probably some of it is microbial, you know, probably it, it's certainly going to be less often that you have technological civilizations like ourselves, but mm -hmm. um, life is probably, life is probably out there, probably in large numbers and probably includes um, a number of um, technological civilizations um, and possibly an incredibly huge number of them. We, d we don't know, of course, but um the second question then is, will they ever get to Earth? And this is where you you're asking a very different and also very interesting question. And there's two major problems with that. One is, of course, a special relativity. Um, the distances are simply too great. It's never going to be, It's you're never going to meet, meet the energy costs of making uh, travel that far. So there's the, the time and the distance problem, right? By the time we were able to detect and possibly establish radio communication with another civilization so that we get to know each other and get to meet, um, you know, those distances and the time is going to be too, too, too great. And the other aspect of the time problem is a synchronization problem. And this is something I talk about in the film. It's a problem that I call the Christmas tree problem. If you imagine a Christmas tree filled with strings of blinking lights, so all throughout the tree, lights are blinking on and off. Think of each one of those lights as the duration, the lifespan of a technological civilization. You know, we've, we've been a technological civilization for a hundred years. And how much longer are we gonna be here? Another hundred years, a million years. Um, there's gonna be, you know, we're gonna have to deal with more pandemics, wars, gamma ray bursts, planet killer asteroids, there's a lot of things that can terminate a civilization. So these technological civilizations throughout our Christmas tree have limited lifespans. For two of them to ever get to meet, you've got to have two lights that are not only right next to each other, but they have to be on at the same time. And we're talking lifespans of thousands, tens of thousands, hopefully years, over a life of the universe that's 14 billion already. So it's incredibly unlikely that you're going to have two lights on at the same time. You know, maybe Earth was visited by aliens nine billion years ago. <laughs> sure, yeah. And they said, ah, there's nothing here of any interest. They probably wouldn't have visited because there weren't there wouldn't have been anything interesting in our spectrum yet. Now this is the dumbest thing I'm probably gonna say in the podcast. My one question I've asked almost every, well, I have to ask you because I've asked pretty much every scientific person, you know, I've had on the podcast is I've, I've said for, for years, actually it was frankly after a dream I had years ago, 
that made me think uh, planetary living is is a plan for failure, meaning that for a species to exist for beyond whatever the planet's lifetime is, again, we're talking so many millions of years that, that it's not worth us worrying about this, but you have to be, you can't have a single point of failure. That's a that's actually something that a, a scientist told me. Say it, a single point of failure, because any asteroid, anything, famine, plague, whatever, if you have a single point of failure, your species can be completely extinct just mm -hmm. with one incident. So my my thought is always you need to have what I what I always say is like a mobile planet, meaning you might just chug along, just you know, be be able to to drive this thing well enough that you're not going to get hit by an asteroid that kills you. Um, we're obviously not in the realm of this being possible with our current technological means, but making it where groups of I don't know ten thousand people live on these things, and you know, there's thousands, millions of these mobile planets that basically go off and. The only problem with that, obviously, is the resources and the there, there's a lot of problems with it. But again, we're not even at the space travel part of it to really worry about that. Um, so well, I guess what this leads back to is, could there have been a, 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 a an alien species that was a billion years ahead of us that maybe realized this and maybe they just come trotting? They're not traveling at the speed of light. They just are trotting along the universe and say, hey, there's a planet with resources we should stop by and see what's going on. Um, I know that's a, again, it's a crazy hypothetical. So that's why I said, it's probably the dumbest thing I'm going to say, but there is thought at least. In there. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's not a very good strategy because staying near your star is going to be your major source of energy. Mm. So we actually have a project called the hundred year starship project. It's funded in part by a grant from the national science foundation. And, and what their job is is to kind of have a plan for just the, as the generic name, a hundred year starship. Let's say we detected that something is gonna happen to the earth, um, whatever that might be, maybe a planet killer out asteroid, just as an example. Mm -hmm. um, what might be nice to do is if we could build something to keep some core of humanity alive for a hundred years, just as pick a number and get off of the earth the earth has whatever happens to it and that thing stays floating around until either it's safe to get back onto the earth or maybe try and colonize mars or what, whatever the plan might be um but it is something that that we do think about and we do try to have a contingency plan you know as you've noted there's a lot of problems with it and we're far 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 short on many of these problems you know radiation shielding energy um, re recycling of materials uh, it, it, it's, it's socio sociological problems right um, but uh, it is something that we do, do think about and as time goes on we'll refine that plan and we may be able to preserve a core of humanity that would let us survive if something were to happen if there was a gamma ray burst which could you know when, when that happens it erases planets it's just basically a stream of particles that's like hitting a sandcastle with a fire hose the planet's gone um, and that might happen to all the planets in the solar system it might even happen to our sun and we would have no solar system 
I think really only in the event of something like that would we actually try and make it to another solar system, because that's an outrageous proposition. Take a hell of a lot longer than 100 years, and with no source of energy like like a sun behind you, um, that's very, very difficult to think about. Yeah, no, that, that makes it. Now, the 100-year Starship project, is there a plan on how many people actually go into this thing? Or is that uh, I'm sure they've talked about that, but I, I'm not that familiar with it. Gotcha. Hey, folks, you know, I talk about mental health on this podcast a lot uh, with my own struggles. Uh, a lot of times I'll talk to guests about their struggles. And uh, that being said, I uh, want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether that's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. More scheduling flexibility and at a more affordable price. As a bonus, you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Macalino. That's BetterHelp.com slash M-A-C-O-L-I-N-O. All right, we're back. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so the... I guess there is no way, ultimately, um, there's no way to simulate the energy that you can get from the sun, obviously. that That's part of the that problem. That would be hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so, and this is a question I know you've been asked before, and I, I don't want, I, I don't, I don't know that you touch on this in, uh, in the documentary. And I'll I'll be honest with you, I intentionally have skipped this part in anything I've listened to you before because this is a question that I kind of got shit on for not asking a prior uh uh bi- microbiologist or I think whatever doesn't really matter what he was he was another scientist um okay. uh, he had legitimate pedigree as as a scientist. And he was basically, the discussion was something about the periodic table of elements and uh, life forms and something. And basically, uh, several people were like, I could tell you wanted to ask him a question and you hemmed and hawed and didn't ask it. Um, And again, I know you get asked this question, so it it may be a dumb one. But my thought is always not that, I think the question's usually phrased, well, these aliens are smarter than us. So they can figure out ways to bend physics and stuff like that. Right. I don't even necessarily place it in that realm. I say, maybe they're just older than us. If we looked at us a hundred years ago, we'd say, look at those idiots. I mean, if there was a, 
there probably are in some remote places of the planet, but if there was a, a country that had the technology that we had a hundred years ago, the maximum technology was their maximum limits. We would say, oh my God, these poor people. Can you imagine? What's to say there's not another species that's 2,000 years ahead of us? You would think that they are that far ahead of us in technology. That doesn't mean that they have been able to move ahead to violate the laws of physics, it means that maybe they've just figured out, again, not how to violate it, but just other ways to do things that we haven't even begun begun to ponder. Does that make yeah. sense? I think, you that's, know- that's a, It's a really common, it's a really common uh, question. It's a really common objection to science uh, that, that people throw out a lot. And we spend a lot of time on that in the film. Um, you, 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 one way to think about it is, oh, we used to have abacuses, and now we have computers. So, you know, we make things better, and we get smarter, we can learn th more things. And so eventually we'll be able to get around the laws of physics. Um, laws of physics are not a technological limitation. They are laws of the way the universe works. Uh, we know them because they are math. Um, any aliens who understand math are going to get the same answers that we do. And we can already... We do have proof that the laws of physics are the same everywhere. We do have proof that the laws of physics have always been the same throughout the entire life of the universe. And we have um, pretty good reason to show that uh, nobody has ever visited the earth. Mm -hmm. um, we can look back in time with telescopes and we can look at gravitational lensing effects and we can see that the laws of physics um, are the same five billion light years away and five billion years ago um we have proof of that and that's what meets that's what fits the equations every time we are able to experimentally verify um the laws of physics it checks out we've done so and it checks out the math works um i think it's far more likely um that intelligent aliens are going to understand and work with the laws of physics the same way that we do right um if you're saying if you if you're just going to reject all of that if you're just going to reject math and say um aliens are smarter than us they're magic yeah, they can no. do anything that's <laughs> you're just you're not talking science now you're you're now talking wishful thinking uh you're saying aliens are leprechauns or magicians or genies um and that's that's wishful thinking it's not science if you limit yourself to science, you can say, aha, here's the problems the aliens are going to face. And now we can work on a, a real world solution, not a magic solution, but right. a real world solution. It's like, OK, so if these are the problems, then how would we get in touch with that other planet over there? And these are problems that we can come up with solutions to. We can't skirt physics. We can't, can't skirt special relativity. Um, but uh, But we can still figure things out. We do know that um, we have a data point of one for how um, one civilization might interact with another. And that data point is ourselves. What would we do if we discovered life on Europa? Let's say we found that the dolphins living under the ice on Europa are intelligent and have a civilization down there. What would we do? Would we go there with gunships and try and destroy them? Would we go there and hide out and study them without making any contact? Maybe. 
uh, would we go there and try and get in touch with them and try and establish language? Almost certainly. Mm -hmm. That's just us. Other cultures might think differently. So you might have hostile cultures. You might have friendly cultures that jump out on the White House lawn and say, here we are. And you might have cultures that hide out in the clouds and study us from afar without making any, any contact. Well, we know that we've never been visited by any hostile aliens, because here we are. We know that we've never been visited by any social aliens well, and, because unless we jumped out on the White House lawn. Unless we but, are the the hostile aliens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. That's good. I like that. Great plot for a sci-fi novel. Yeah. So if we've never been visited by any hostile aliens or social aliens, we've probably never been visited by any aliens. Mm -hmm. And that also checks out with the math of the laws of physics. So, you know, I, I, it's much more productive to understand the way the universe actually works and to come up with solutions within that framework than it is to simply dismiss science and say, aliens are magic. They can do whatever it is that I wish they could do. Right. And and so my again, my thing is more, though, the and I'm, I, I don't think I think I, we're in agreement. I don't think aliens have visited the planet, at least not since intelligent life has been here. So in essence, no. Um, but I do wonder that the salute or the possibility that aliens could come is more based in they're just older than us not that they're even smarter than us. they have to abide by the same science as the whole universe um but again i don't I, obviously well i guess this is my thing is i had i'm, I'm gonna burn a friendship by by calling this out but i <laughs> uh Go for it. yeah i think it's worth it this is the I internet you're supposed to do that have you heard of the the alien interview thing in somewhere it, it's not roswell they say area 51's like a, a they agree area 51's like but they, there was an a documentary about the alien interview where there's this cartoonish et looking alien who's who's you know the footage is is compelling it just is like well yeah i any hollywood movie could film that i mean um and there are people who believe it and those people also are at each other's throat over whose truth is right, which is also like, all right, well, you know, most people don't think any of it's true to begin with. So it's kind of funny that I, well, I guess I'll, I'll interject here. It's kind of like I'm a libertarian and libertarians spend all of their time attacking each other when it's like we're one percent less than one percent. Why are we wasting our energy here? There's the whole rest of the world. And we're attacking each other. So it's it's interesting to me that, that that's how that's how that thing works. But um I, I if aliens were so smart to get here, there's no goddamn way that we are capturing them. <laughs> there's there you know, it's like there's no way they're cra I, I mean, in unless our theory is some drunk alien just drunk drove this ship into the planet in which case you'd think other aliens would have come to pick them up at some point right like I, i'm just hypothesizing here but it doesn't seem i don't know it... yeah, I, 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 this is well to answer your question no i haven't heard of that but i mean there's so many of these silly <laughs> things um 
that it's it, it's one really popular thing right now is people saying, oh, the aliens are crashing all over the place. If they're so smart, how do they end up crashing? And um, and I, I I just don't get involved in that. I mean, it's 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 a ridiculous hypothetical to begin with. Um, right. It's, you're you're trying to justify disproven hoaxed stories, um, um, discredited UFO tales from 75 years ago. Why are we talking about hypothetically why did it happen it didn't it was fiction to begin with right (laughs) it's how much um i mean the answer is probably all of it although i do think the news the way that the news is done uh with our species because i always say in america but it's the whole world it's it's the same across the globe uh it's news now is fear but Hollywood, aliens, Bigfoot, every, and I'll be honest, I'm someone who I've told you I've acted in a couple things and I've, I've got a bunch of things I'm working on. And one of them involves aliens. One of them involves Bigfoot. One of them involves a multiverse, which is a whole other topic. Uh, but it's like, but I understand that that those are Hollywood cheat codes and I think some people like to think it's real, maybe like I I enjoy watching Star Trek and and I don't think it's real. I don't need to think it's real to enjoy watching it. So people are gonna have interest in all of these stories. There's there's nothing wrong with that. I would encourage them to keep in mind what's fiction and what's reality, but uh hey, if they want to blur the two, more power to them. I think that's part of the isn't that part of it? Is that people do want to blur. They they want Captain Kirk to be real. They 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 want they want to I, fuck I would, those green ladies like Kirk. <laughs> I, I would love there to be aliens visiting the Earth. I mean, I don't know a single person in science who doesn't feel that way. We'd all love for it to be true. Uh, and so, I mean, it's just like it's just like you know confirmation bias on so many other things. We would all love to keep in touch with a beloved relative who's passed on, and so we tend to believe any life after death stories that we hear because we want to believe them we want them to be true so i mean this is just you know one of many pressures that that our brains have to deal with when they're trying to sort out what's real from what's not so it's it's interesting because i'm i was going to say famous but that's not the right word i'm i was going to say famous well with the audience of this podcast there we go i'm famous (laughs) Uh, for i i like to listen to anyone so as many science science people who are strong with science i've had a flat earther on uh you know and and i my thing is i will let i'll let you talk i'll let you tell me um i'm not i'm not an idiot but i'm also not like super educated he's like well do you know how far the sun is from the earth i'm like uh, i think it's 93 million miles i think is the answer right. yeah but i'm like at the time i'm like i don't know 300 million he's like no nah, you're wrong and i'm like all right i, I didn't think this was a quiz show um <laughs> so when when someone has facts and they're just spewing things out i'm like all right i'm gonna listen i'm gonna just try to uh, but but i've also had people on who i I believe there's something there and the downside is disproving 
it, it's I'll use Bigfoot as an example. If you if you'll bear with me on this, is Please. there's no evidence that Bigfoot exists. <laughs> I, I think everyone in the world should agree that that's the case. I don't believe Bigfoot exists. <laughs> I've had a couple people on who believe Bigfoot exists, and the the flip side I always have is well, there is no way to disprove uh, like a negative like well bigfoot's the best at hiding yeah of course we'll never find him because we we can't prove that he doesn't exist because we we can't <laughs> um and to thumb to thumb to some things i think that is i, I don't know how to say this in a way that doesn't make me sound absolutely stupid so I'm going to just sound stupid. I'm sorry, Brian. Uh, I think there's more than meets the eye to some things. I think some things, there's probably, they're touching on it. Um, I had a guy on who he runs a, he said, we run a, um, they certify mediums. And he said that 95... There's a certification authority for mediumship, huh? There is, yes. And he said 95% plus fail because they run it as what would in general science be accepted as a scientific study. There is no... The the, the medium has no way to background search because they don't know who they're going to be reading. Because a lot of mediums, he, he openly says they're they're scam artists who go and they'll browse your social media and they'll know your mom, their your grandparents, they'll know all this stuff about you that they can easily spew at you. He said there are some, and, and he he said we did it in a manner that scientifically, and and they've certified very few mediums, um, which makes me think, okay, well, there's a gift there. I don't know whether it's just advanced mentalism. Which, you know, is to an extent, I'm like, well, that's still kind of a, a superpower to an extent if they can somehow deduce from just somebody in a white lab coat sitting there stone face and be able to say your grandfather's name. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's like uh, there's something. I, but again, it's like that's where that's the one part where I always think science ignores some things because it can't prove it but it also i don't know that it can disprove certain things and i don't know if that all made sense and if again i don't know how stupid i sounded brian i i apologize but it's one of those things that that just sits with me it's like i feel like there's something there that we as humans have not been able to comprehend between there's a million things i can name uh, ghosts you know again anecdotal evidence is anecdotal but when there's so much of it it's like there's got to be something and i don't know what um so my thing is i i don't believe in anything but i'm open to everything and i don't know if that i i it, frankly i think that's how a scientist who's not educated in science beyond you know high school and maybe an environmental science class i took in college <laughs> Maybe should think, <laughs> but sorry. Well, I, belief so, is not a part of the process. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, it, it's just, I'm open to everything. I don't really believe in anything. I like to, frankly, and, and this has nothing to do with science. I like to pick and choose what I believe as to what makes me feel better. 
which I think is most humans' flaws, <laughs> except for I acknowledge, for example, I choose to believe there's God. Why? Because I prefer that. I choose to believe there's an afterlife. Why? I prefer that. That there's no, it just makes, it gets me through the day better. Yeah. Um, I understand there's no way to prove it, but I also say there's no way to disprove it. So it's, it's, it's one of those. Yeah. How, how does science attack those things is my those question. aren't science questions if you have a science question i can tell you how what the what the what the process would be i mean science is at its most basic definition is um the, it, explaining an observation so you've got to start with an observation um well we don't have an observation for bigfoot or for aliens or for psychics um there is no Taking Bigfoot as the example, there is no um, repeatable, reliable observation of Bigfoot. Of course, yeah. um, that 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 is anything other than an anecdote. There's lots of anecdotes about Bigfoot, but, but what defines an anecdote is it something that cannot be studied or tested. So you tell me a story, you show me a, a picture. This picture that came out of Alaska, the guy in the ghillie suit running around outside the tourist train, <laughs> taking pictures of him. Oh, what a blast. I would have loved to be that guy. But, um, you know, it's it's a film. We cannot study or test the film. And, you know, we can't uh, take first samples out of the film. So we got lots of anecdotes and they're not even consistent with one another. So they don't clearly don't describe an actual uh, uh, consistently describe one given creature. So we don't until we have an observation about Bigfoot, we have no science question to study. It's the same thing with God and psychics and everything else. So, well, I'll say this, though, then why? And I'm not saying you. So you don't have to answer for science. I'm I'm saying from a perspective, it seems like many scientists look down upon or shun if someone believes in God and fully believes there's heaven, uh, I personally think anyone who believes in hell is a little cuckoo but that's a that again that's a personal belief but uh, you get the uh from a i'm trying to word this in a in a nice way because again i'm kind of on your side in this argument but again I, i'm also hey and i'm not saying you again this is not this is not Brian. This is just science in general. Making people who believe in God, which, again, you've just said, there's no way to scientifically prove or disprove, in essence. Um, why make them feel stupid? And I'm not saying you do, uh, by the way. So this is not an attack on you. And it's not an attack on science. It's just a tact thing. It's something where Neil deGrasse Tyson actually irritates the hell out of me when he talks about God, because it's like, you're you're being offensive to billions of people who believe in God just to agitate. But in essence, there's no way to prove or disprove God because it's not even science. If you're talking about why do some people make fun of other people or make them feel stupid, that's just the human race. Um, I guess that's true. But you're not describing a scientific process. Um, there is no... There's no grant-funded research right now that says, go out and make fun of people who believe in God. 
So you're talking about, if you're talking about scientists who have done this, then you're talking about that scientist as an individual person, not in his job, working at his lab, whatever it is he studies. That's just simply, that's not what they do. That's like saying um, this, the guy who uh, uh, is, a, is a worker on the assembly line at Chevrolet cooks really bad pasta. Um, <laughs> so we should blame the car industry for bad pasta. Um, you're, you're talking about something an individual has done in their capacity as an individual and taking it as a, a whack against science because that person happens to also work as a scientist. No, I, I like that. I like that answer. Frankly, I, that, that soothes, soothes me a little bit because I, I don't, I don't like the agitators. I'm like, if you can't, if you can't prove or disprove it, then don't talk like you're yeah, people, people are allowed to have their personal opinions. Of course, of course. And, 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 a, and a scientist, when he's out drinking with his buddies, he can give his opinions on what he thinks of people who believe in this or that. He has every right as much to do that as anyone else does. Of that's course. Not, that's not blaming science, though. Um, that's got nothing to do with his role as a scientist, whatever it is that guy does for a living. Yeah, I, I think he goes on podcasts, talk shows. I don't know if he does anything. Um <laughs> but Michio Kaku, I mean, that, what is what research does that guy do? Who knows? Um, he's just been a, a, a pay him to say whatever the heck you want him to say for the last thirty years, and, well, um, and, and none of none of that represents <clears throat> virtually nothing. Michio Kaku says represents the physics field in any way, and and that's and says says what you pay him to say. Well, that's that's and, and citing another documentary that I watched, Science Friction, um, uh, that you also uh, 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 co-wrote and produced. Or did you direct that also? I, I, I was the producer of that. Yeah, yeah. No, so that was directed but, by Emory Emory. Oh, that's right. Yes, I I watched that, and 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 that to me is like, well, there's there's legitimate scientists who also get bastardized. So we are like, this guy's a scientist, but they took snippets of what they uh, watch science friction you can watch it on tubi on on plex you can watch it on many many that's on all the streaming things. services yeah. yes that's all over very easy to find science friction um but I, I i do think you're right too is one of the downfalls of modern science is there are a lot of voices and some of them are willing to just say whatever uh, you know Look, I, I probably, <laughs> I don't mean to bring this up, but <laughs> I was going to say this was just me rambling. Well, you can talk about this, I'm sure, or you don't need to even talk about it. But the ivermectin debate that happened, we don't need to reference whose debate that was. I know you right. have a history with said person, but the ivermectin debate, you had scientists going on and saying, oh, it's horse paste. It's like, you know, it's not. You know, you know, it's not. I mean, it is also that, but that's very disingenuous. And and, and clearly, that was there was an agenda there, um, and and that's the kind of thing that's like, all right, well, this thing won a Nobel Prize, and everyone who wants to travel from certain continents needs to take this medication. You know, maybe the said person did take the horse version of it because who knows what's going <laughs> through his body. But that's a whole other. That doesn't matter in the. It's not tangible. So, so that's the the bought and sold scientist. I think is part of the thing that also 
as well as the scientist who's completely taken out of context. And I think, I, personally, I think some of that's, no, it, I, personally, it's clearly done with some intention. I just don't know what. Well, I mean, this is this is confusing a, a, a debate in the public forum with a scientific debate. Okay, there's never been a scientific debate over ivermectin. Uh, there, there has never been any kind of a uh, consensus in in the people who work in that field that ivermectin was effective as COVID. Right. Now, in every field, you've got crackpots on the fringes. So there is always going to be a real doctor or a real scientist who believes in X, Y, or Z. You get a couple of those, and they go on television, and they say their thing, and then everyone else comes on, everyone else who's actually in the mainstream of the field comes on and says, no, that's false. We all know that that's false. And now all of a sudden you've got something that was never a science question um, being presented as if it is a science question and being presented as if there is scientific debate on a topic that there's not. That is what, that's a, a huge problem for um, anyone who works in science communication is um, the the media's desperation to show balance, quote unquote, to show the opposing viewpoint and to present two things that are absolutely unequal and present them in the same forum, making them appear to be equal sides of a debate, which was never the case. Um, that's that's a one of the reasons why so few scientists will engage in debates because you're just adding fuel to that fire. Yeah, it, it, well, it's... Yeah, it, it really disturbs me. And I, I think I th I think we're on the same side of that, is that it's like it, it, you're same way I always say um that good guys don't fight good guys in wars. That I, I feel like it's almost the same with science. And good guys usually don't fight bad guys in wars either. I think it's <laughs> the bad elements around it that fight where again i think it's like well why are you both being so disingenuous but again i think that's 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 where the money comes in sometimes is that i i i've got a, let me tell you this i've got a i've got a a, a couple of friends a, a couple they both work at a lab in um a major pharmaceutical company and they basically have an aquarium full of pond scum and they're going to spend their entire careers with this one aquarium full of pond scum, taking out little tiny bits of samples, putting it on the Petri dishes, incubating it, and seeing if anything in this, in this aquarium can treat any of the diseases that they're working on. And there's 100 people in their lab doing the same thing. Mm. Almost certainly not one of them will ever come up with a useful or important discovery over the course of their entire career. And that is repeated in labs all around the world. The vast, vast majority of science is, we didn't discover anything interesting. We're trying, we're hoping, but you just gotta go through this iterative process a billion times before you make one discovery. Any one of these people would love nothing more than to make the big discovery, to cure cancer or whatever it is, to find that something that to find an answer that we didn't have before, or even better, to overturn something that we thought we knew before. That is every scientist's major goal. And that's why we see 
whenever there's a controversial paper published, everyone jumps on it and attacks it and it gets retracted or whatever. Scientists are always desperate to overturn what we thought we knew. In the general public, however, they say, oh, scientists are all on the Grant gravy train, which is a hilarious joke. Um, and they're all paid to to preserve the status quo, to mm. preserve, to, to you know, to poo-poo any, anyone's new claim. That's what scientists are all about, um, which is just so absurdly illogical. Um, why would a grantor grant money hoping to learn nothing? Um, that's not yeah. how grants work. <laughs> They're desperately hoping to learn something. And every scientist that gets that grant money is desperately hoping to learn something. So the, the whole idea that scientists are part of some conspiracy to learn nothing and to preserve some mythical status quo is, is it's, a, it's an old joke in, in science. Um, it's it's so perversely illogical. Um, people totally misunderstand what scientists are about, why they do what they do. Um, and that misunderstanding is a huge part of the Going back to what you said, ivermectin is a perfect example. Well, of course, scientists are going to say it doesn't work because they're paid to preserve the status quo, and that would impact their grant money. So are you kidding me? If someone could prove that ivermectin treated COVID, that would make their entire career. Well, in fairness, with ivermectin, what I was pointing out is I'm not I'm not even talking about the COVID. They're calling it horse medicine. That's yeah. disingenuous. That's that's bullshit. Okay. <laughs> Well, I we we treat our horses with ivermectin, and we have well, that's, two. Well, that's that's true, but we we treat ivermectin on them. <laughs> right, it, we're right. You're right. We, it is. We it treat is humans. also that. Yeah. Also so that. so saying that someone uh, don't take horse medication. Yeah. Uh, or well, and again, this is not science. This is the media. I remember there was an article in Rolling Stone, I think, that said gunshot victims are waiting outside the ER for people who overdosed on ivermectin. It's like. And that was obviously disproven as bullshit, but it's like, why? Again, I may, I think that's maybe more of a media. I, I, I think this is actually what the whole thing is. It's more of a media issue. And also maybe some people pretending to be scientists who aren't and some comedians pretending to be scientists who aren't. Names don't need to be said, but <laughs> I think you know who I'm referencing. Uh well Again, you're not going to find it written in any published scientific paper dismissing ivermectin as horse paste. Sure. You're talking about the behavior of individuals in society and their capacity as individuals. You're not talking about a scientific process. So scientists are not the ones saying, you're taking horse paste. Um, right. Sanjay Gupta is not a doctor. Or, or he is a doctor, but he's not a scientist. Is that, I mean, because he was on CNN saying he's taking horse medicine. And it's like, I honestly don't know what what much about his background. Uh, well, I know uh, he has been a doctor at some point. He's a I, he's what, a TV he's a TV star like Doctor Oz. Yeah, Doc, doctor doctor gets thrown around too much. That's another thing, but we don't need to <laughs> touch on that. Doctor is a very broad term, I think. Sometimes with like, eh, that doesn't mean they know anything just because they have a title. Bill Cosby, I believe, got a doctorate from Temple. So, although is he is right? good. He is it good with certain types of medicine. <laughs> All right. Brian, I'm going to ask you the easiest question of the whole thing, because most of the okay. time I don't even give you questions. I just serve half-baked ideas. And 
and I, and I listened to them. You in did. The role of a therapist helping you with your half baked ideas. Yeah. Go ahead. Fire uh, away. The the easiest question is where can people find you? Where can people? Uh, uh, obviously, the Skeptoid podcast I think is found pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, but where can people find you on socials? Where can they go uh, to see the the UFO movie they don't want you to see? All that stuff. Please tell my audience. Yeah, the UFO movie is uh, the, the current streaming options, whatever they are, as they keep popping up, are always on the movie's website at the UFO.movie. So just go to the UFO.movie and you'll get whatever the uh, you can watch the trailers and click through to a to a streaming service and, and you can watch it right now. Um, Science Friction is a, it also has a website, sciencefriction.tv, and there's links to some of the major streaming services there. And um, and then, of course, the podcast, Skeptoid, as you say, find it wherever you find your podcast. Yes. Brian, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I appreciate it. I had a fun time. Uh, Me too. I, I learned and uh, I laughed. So that's that's living right there, right? <laughs> Indeed. One could ask for nothing better than that. Amen. All right. Thanks, Brian. All right. Thank you. It was fun. That's it. That's all. Hope you had a ball. Thank you, Brian Dunning. Check out the movies. Uh, one, you, you know, coming probably more to more places soon, but you can get it now on Vimeo. Uh, the other one, again, Science Friction is on Tubi. Uh, and thanks again to Brian for coming on with me. Um, yeah, I'll say this. We didn't we didn't get too deep into into some topics where I don't know you know, it's interesting. It's, it's hard to, I think I did say this in the podcast. I apologize. I recorded it a couple weeks ago and, uh, I wasn't going to eliminate any of the content of the episode. So I didn't listen to every second. I did say, I think, I think I said on the podcast, it's very difficult to disprove a, it's, it's very difficult to prove something doesn't exist. And I understand that. Um, you know, again, Bigfoot, I think that's kind of my go-to example is you can, you know, you can hunt for Bigfoot, but not discovering Bigfoot doesn't prove Bigfoot doesn't exist, even though a certain amount of searching for him and not finding him seems to be some sort of at least evidence that, uh, in favor of there not being a Bigfoot. Um, I do think sometimes that that is a crutch that science leans on, though. Meaning, you know, I, 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 and, you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I like, obviously I believe in science. I'm not any sort of crazy person in that regard. I just sometimes think science doesn't account for things that are maybe just outside of what they consider science. Um, I don't know. Again, I, I, I'm not really qualified to give a lot of pushback on that, but, uh, and again, I'm not, uh, uh, I, I don't know if I brought that up in this episode or another one, but, um, I'm not saying the law of physics doesn't apply to everyone across the universe equally. I'm saying some people may know how to play around the laws of physics differently than we can imagine. And obviously if we could imagine that we would be maybe further along technologically. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I do, you know, I think I made some arguments, but I don't know if, if um, 
sometimes I wonder if, you know, there's, I guess, you know, I had Flat Earth Dave on the podcast a couple years ago. And I don't think no matter what you did, even taking him up in a spaceship and showing him the shape of the Earth would convince him that it wasn't a lie. And I think that's obviously a flaw. Um, I've had other, I, I had somebody on the podcast, I won't say who, but d- distinctly, it's like, oh, if God even spoke to me, I would check myself into a mental hospital and I'd never believe it. Well, and I'm not saying Brian is one of those people by any by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying sometimes I do think we're a little too quick to say, well, this is, you know, again, what, who was it? Copernicus got kicked out of the church because he said that the earth revolved around the sun and not everything revolved around the earth because um, he was a heretic for saying such a thing. Um, obviously, he was right. So that that's all I'm saying is I think, you know, time tested science is different than, you know, science that we believe currently. Um, I, I just think there's, uh, and again, it's, it's, it's not denying science to say that there has to be stuff we haven't discovered or figured out yet. Um, you know, I, I don't think we know. And maybe this was something I should have brought up more with Brian. I don't know. You be the judge. You tell me how dumb I am because the odds are pretty, pretty dumb. All right. Hope you come back next week. Got another fun one for you. Uh, that one is going to be with uh, uh, Naked and Afraid legend E.J. Snyder. So tune in for that one. We have some fun conversation. All right. Uh, boom, it's over. Thanks for listening. It was amazing. <laughs> I I loved it. Be sure to come back for another great episode. I'm one wing away from Jeff Macalino. Of the Jeff Macalino Podcast. How much time did you spend on thinking of the name of your podcast? You want to just straight, that's my name. I'll add the word podcast to it. Yup. See you next week.